Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Before we get into this episode of Small Doses, let me let y'all know about a couple things we got going on. First of all, if you're interested in working with my company, Smart Money and Black Productions, then you should sign up for our residency program. So we have been doing this for three years. This will be our fourth. And it allows folks to get the opportunity to work with Smart Funny and Black Productions in four different disciplines. Graphic arts, editing, comedy writing, and digital marketing. This is a dope program where you get the opportunity to network, to build your portfolio, to get master classes from folks that are in these areas. And you get the opportunity to possibly get a job with Smart Funny and Black Productions. With every residency group, I have hired at least one person out of the group into my company. So it is a very real opportunity. And you work with me and other individuals in my company, as well as the other residents to create dope work that you get to see and display in the public sphere. So the sign up deadline is March 31st. Go to amandaseals.com and hopefully we will see you as a part of this year's Smart Funny and Black Residency Program. Also, we have new content on Patreon. So make sure you go to theamandaverse.com if you want to see me give my fashion commentary on the NAACP Awards, on the Oscars, and more, then make sure you go to theamandaverse.com. Also, I broke down why I walked away from a recent contract in the hopes to give you all some insight into the knowledge and business behind this business. And of course, we have behind-the-scenes footage, and I let y'all in to my experience at the Essence Women in Hollywood brunch. So make sure you check that out. And don't forget, if you love small doses and you love listening to small doses, you'll probably love watching it as well. And we premiere every new episode on Thursdays at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on YouTube, Amanda Seals TV. I'm right there in the chat. We're watching the show together. It really is a dope experience. And we're building a dope community that comes every Thursday to join in and watch the episodes and talk about all the dope things happening. Last but not least, make sure you get your tickets to Smart, Funny, and Black in May. In Los Angeles on May 18th, Smart, Funny, and Black returns for a triumphant show in Los Angeles at the Novo. You know, there's all this talk about African-American studies being shut down. There's all this talk about these people wanting to shut down and erase the history of Black culture. Well, guess what? Not at my show. Come and be a part of community. Come get your comedy. Come laugh and sing along with us at Smart, Funny, and Black, May 18th. Tickets available at amandaseals.com. I'll see you in LA. Now, if you haven't listened to last week's episode with Shirley Raines, who is the mother of Skid Row in Los Angeles, make sure you take a listen because, baby, we had a very deep conversation about the houseless community, about therapy, and also just about how the hell she could be 55 when she looks so damn good. So make sure you go and check that out and make sure that you tell a friend that we got some things going on here at Small Doses. <sighs> All right. It's time to get into the show. Oh, and don't forget to listen to my radio show, The Amanda Seal Show, every day, wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, now I'm finished for real. Small doses. Self-help from the hip. Small doses. We're talking that shit. Small doses. And keeping it real. Small doses. With me and Nancy Seals. It's so funky. <laughs> hello, hello, hello. I'm in a good mood. It's another episode of Small Doses. I realize that a lot of y'all listening to these episodes are not aware that you can now watch these episodes as well. And by the way, let me just say this, that like, 
I'm not saying watch instead of listen. I'm saying do both. I hear a lot of y'all sometimes say that you had to listen to an episode twice to take notes, et cetera, et cetera. Well, now you can do that by like listening to it and then like watching it on our YouTube at uh, YouTube Amanda Seals TV. And it's like my book, Small Doses. I feel like reading Small Doses is different than the Audible experience, but both of them are valuable experiences. So really happy to be able to bring that to you. And, you know, there's also just the element of Patreon content that comes out of this. So you get your little bonus. If you join the amandaverse.com, you'll also get the breakdown of my outfit of the day when you go to the amandaverse.com. And also got to let you know that we have merch coming at ya. Not for small doses, but for Smart Funny and Black and other stuff. So there's a lot of stuff going on that I'm really excited about. And there's also just the reality that like this life has a lot to balance. And I think for a lot of us, our parents become a part of the thing we're balancing. And that I think for a lot of us becomes something that we weren't expecting. This episode, Side Effects of Parents, is specifically not about like parenting, but about just the unique relationship that one has with parents, particularly from the adult perspective, and how that shifts from when you are like needing these people to keep you alive. And when I say parents, it can mean whatever form that is, right? So you can have adopted parents, you can have grandparents that are parenting you, you can have a sister that's parenting you, but it really is just about like how the shift happens between the person who you looked to for your survival and then they become a person that is now a part of your world. Basically, our parents go from being the center of our universe to a planet in our universe, for the most part, unless you date the mama's boy. The mama's boy, that's the problem. The mama's boy, the problem is that the mama is still the center of the universe, but then they're trying to bring you into the universe. And you're like, well, if the mama is the center, where am I, where am I going to be? Now I'm rotating around you and the mama in the center. That just feels uncomfortable. That just doesn't make sense. So that's that. But for the most part, a lot of us, we grow up, we grow out, we're into the world, and then we create our own world. And once we create our own world, it becomes, well, where does the parent fit in that world? And that's what today's conversation is really about, how to manage that, how to handle that shift. Like at a certain point in your life, you realize like, oh, maybe my, my parent doesn't know everything. And for the lucky ones, I think maybe a parent did know <laughs> everything. But I think for the, for the most part, most of us have a very jarring reaction to realizing like, oh, maybe my parent doesn't every, know everything. And then there's also just the realization that like your parents, like everybody change, right? And they can change for a multitude of reasons. Sometimes it's because of health, right? Sometimes because they may have a traumatic experience. Sometimes it's just because the shift in your relationship changes the way they actually behave. And that in itself can be its own type of trauma. So I want to talk about all of those things as we get into side effects of parents. Let's do a gem drop. Jam dropping. Jam dropping. Jam dropping. We dropping on these hoes. So today's gem drop is parent versus person. Okay, walk with me down this road. Now, you got this parent and when you are a child in the world, that parent is keeping you alive. I remember when I saw the movie um, Beasts of the Southern Wild with Kevin Janae Wallace. Yes, yes I, I can remember. pronounce her name. And I remember watching this movie and she and the father, like, she's a little kid. And the father basically said to her at one point, like, my job is to keep you alive. And I remember seeing that and saying, like, that feels like a real basic <laughs> 
way of looking at parenting? Because I feel like that's like the most bottom line part of the job. Like when people look into Canon and they're like, oh my gosh, like why are people upset that he has a million kids? Like if he can afford it, then what's the problem? It's like, well, because on a bigger scale, I feel like parenting has a lot more going on than just keeping a child alive. And we see that in how we've seen the studies of how to parent, right? We see that in how we see like the amount of conversation. We see that in how we see how many podcasts there are about parenting. Y'all, it's the industry. It's the industry, okay? Even Melly Fiona, one of our guests here, she got a podcast called like The Mama's Den or something about parenting. Like it really is an art. It is a philosophy. It is a practice for people who are able to do it. And I think for the most part, people want to believe that their parents made their best effort, right? But that's when the people part comes in. Because at a certain point in your maturation, especially in your journey to like self-healing, you have to examine your childhood. And in examining your childhood, you examine your parents. And in examining your parents, you identify the fact that your parents are really just people who had kids. Don't get me wrong. Like, they parented you in whatever form or fashion they did, whether it was negligible or not. But they are just people who had kids, the same way that you are now a person who can possibly have a kid. It's a cycle. It's the circle of life. So once you start having that realization, you look around at all the people around you and you're like, oh, they're just like people like these other people. I don't hold these other people to those kinds of standards. I don't hold these other humans to this expectation of perfection, et cetera. So why am I holding my parents to that? And when you start asking yourself those questions, it gets real serious because a lot of us are holding our parents to that for a multitude of reasons, right? We're holding our parents to this like measure of excellence because we are a reflection of them and we want to feel like we are connected to excellence, right? We also hold our parents to this level because we have like believed them to be a certain type of person and we don't want to feel like we got played. (laughs) Like, is my parent a scammer? Did I get scammed? Like, we don't want to believe that. We don't want to feel that. So it's no surprise that at a certain point, you have to step back and look at your parent as a person and be able to like genuinely identify them in that space detached from you. And that is a very difficult thing for some people, but it helps you in understanding the separation between the person and the parent. A person is somebody in the world and then they have a child and those circumstances of who they were as a person, like that doesn't just necessarily go away. That doesn't necessarily change. Like those traits are what they are unless they decide to shift or not. And a parent is the relationship that you have to that person. It's complex. Don't get me wrong. It's complex. But it's those two things that become essential in being able to like really understand the relationship of you to a parent, particularly as an adult. You know, this parent, has a choice in how they move in the world with you. Particularly all my folks that grew up in single-parent households, that's its own unique experience because that's somebody who's having to play multiple roles, but you are also playing multiple roles for a single parent, right? And I think that may also just be the case in general, right, with parents. Like, you as a child are their child, but they may connect with you in a certain way that there's a friendship there, there's a sisterhood there or brotherhood, et cetera. You know, there's a confidantness there. You know, if your parent didn't have a partner, like you might be that rock for them. You know, my mom has always said, like, I'm her love story because these other niggas, these other niggas, these, these, these dudes wasn't it. You know what I'm saying? Like they wasn't there in the same way. And Dr. Phil, who yeah, I, can't I can't believe I'm quoting, quoting, but I've all, my mom has always said this and I feel like it always like resonates to me. But Dr. Phil has said, 
You know, a lot of people, it's like they have kids and the kids arrive in the world with a job. And that job is like whatever the parent has assigned to them. So like for Tiger Woods, his job was going to be to prove that his father was valuable by being a great golf player. Like that was basically what his job was going to be. And that's why they have all these conversations around parents, not like forcing kids down certain roads to like live vicariously through their kid or not making kids do certain things or behave in certain ways or deal with certain people for the sake of the parent because it ends up being projection. And I can only imagine as a parent how difficult it must be to like view this person who was physically connected with you, right? Like in some cases biologically, or at the very least physically connected with you in this fact that like you wipe their shit, right? That's That's a a physical physical connection, connection, baby. So to go from that to then having to like look at them as like a separate entity and being, it can be difficult. I get that. It can be difficult. And so that's when we have to start realizing that we're looking at a person and trying to understand, well, what's that person's history and their capability of even being able to do so? It's a long road. And something that I don't think all of us even have the capacity or the the time, right? The time to do, especially if you are now a parent. That's a whole other level. Shit, y'all, I'm 41. I don't got no kids. I got fur babies. But I'm having to do the work of relationshiping with my parent. And I got to tell you, it's arduous. It is tenuous. It is frustrating. And I can only imagine like having to do that while you are also simultaneously in that position as the parent of another child. But that doesn't change the fact that we do an episode about it. (laughs) So here we are. But your parents are really just people. And then you decide, are they people that I like? (laughs) And that, my darlings is its own journey to Mordor. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba da ba ba ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you. DMTs. Now y'all be having good questions. That's the beauty of it all. Damn. We already have 64 DMTs under the <laughs> under the reel? Okay. First question. As a parent, what would you as an adult like your parent to know about how to talk to you as an adult? Hmm. You know, I know for me, I thrive when my parent speaks to me as someone that she respects and trusts. And when I say that, I mean, there's a tendency for parents to speak to their kids as if they are still in the learning curve of life. 
right? And don't get me wrong, like life is a whole journey of lessons, but that curve, if we're looking at the curve, it's a lot more curvy in the beginning than at the end. Like I would say like the beginning of life is a lot more Niecy Nash and the ending of life is a lot more, who's skinny and ain't got no curves? is a lot more Simone Biles, right? Like, because Simone, her aerodynamicness is based a lot on the fact that she's giving you slim trim. You know what I'm saying? Slim trim and also dark skin. Like, she's giving that to you. So it's like, but I think that when your parent is dealing with you and talking to you about how you want your parent to speak to you, you want them to speak to you as if they trust that their work was effective. Because that's the part that kind of messes with you. It's like, why are you acting as if, like, you didn't raise me? Like, you know, you should know me better than anybody else. And you're talking to me as if I don't have, like, any knowledge when you're the one who gave me so much of the knowledge. And so I think that's something that is really helpful is when you're talking to your child as if you actually know them. Because you do. I think some parents talk to their kids as adults with a certain level of mistrust for their own effectiveness as a parent. Does that make sense? It's like they are, does that make sense, Jeremiah? Like they're projecting onto like this adult person that they raised a certain level of like unsureness about what they did. I'll tell y'all a story, okay? So I did an interview on Breakfast Club one time and I forgot why it came up, but somehow it came up about me fucking somebody, which comes up because I mean, it's just life. And after like I had called my mom because I had gotten my renewal letter for season three of Insecure. And I was just excited about it. And she was just real like, oh, OK. Mm, mm, OK. I was like, what is your problem? What is your problem? She's like, well, you know, I just wonder, you know, if every time I turn on an interview, you know, am I going to hear about somebody else you slept with? And I was like, you know what? We're going to keep it a buck, probably, because I don't slept with a lot of people. And she was like, <gasps> like, I heard, like, she didn't clutch her pearls. She, like, inhaled them. Okay. And I was like, you just need to know that. Like there was a part of my life where I was misinterpreting sex as intimacy and I didn't have a relationship with my father that was valuable and I didn't have that context provided for me. And so like I was searching for something in looking for love in all the wrong places, as young MC said. And she was like, well, I just feel as though, you know, that's my fault. And I'm like, I mean, partially it is, but it's like, those were the tools you had. Like, I'm not even blaming you for that. You came up at a time where, like, sex wasn't really conversed about. You're coming from a culture where, you know, sex is also not conversed about. Like, you know, you put books on a couch when I was 12 that were about, like, my body, my business. And not knowing that I had already seen my first porn when I was eight at my cousin's house. Okay? So, but I was trying to tell her, like, it's not about you. This was just my journey. And you gave me what you had. And I'm not even shading you for that. Because I know that that's what you had to give me. And it wasn't like you were withholding something from me for some like ulterior reason. And, you know, she felt some type of way because she, not some type of way, more so she just felt like she was internalizing it. But I say that in reference because she was reflecting on my life based on like what she felt was a deficit of hers. And it's not. Like, talk to me about where I'm at right now. Where I'm at right now is a person who understands that sex is not a replacement for intimacy. Talk to me about the fact that, like, I've crossed that road. I've hit that place where I understand that difference and ask me about how I got to that point. Meet me at my emotion. And maybe that's the other part of how to talk to your adult kid. Meet them at their emotion. I think so many parents have to understand that the transition is that most adults that you've raised the right way They don't need you 
to fund their existence anymore. They don't need you to find food for them, right? They need you to be a grounding force in a world that does not know them and you are the one who knows them the best. And they want that point of contact to be able to be intact. (laughs) Can can you tell that this is personal? (laughs) I'm going through it. All right, next question. Why do parents act like they didn't cause trauma to their children growing up? Oh, because people want to act like they did a great job and that if you did cause trauma, they think that means that you didn't do a good job. And I just think it's incredibly unrealistic to think that over the course of raising an entire person that you're dealing with on a regular basis that there wasn't any trauma caused. There's going to be trauma. There's a grand spectrum of what that trauma is, right? You know, but... There's going to be trauma and the child mind processes trauma differently than you would as an adult with a logical, rational space for it. A child mind can fall off a bike and no one is there. And that child mind can remember, I fell and hurt myself and no one was there. And now that child mind, without being provided context or without being provided soothing or without being provided support in other ways can now process that as a point of trauma that they are now building upon their personality from. That same time frame, a child could deal with someone who has addiction and process that completely differently. And so I think it's a winding road. Every day is a winding road. I watched a really good Sheryl Crow documentary when I was on the flight from Nairobi. That's another story. But I really think that a lot of parents simply just don't want to feel like they didn't do the best job possible. You can still cause trauma if you did the best job possible. I mean, that's just the reality. You did what you could with what you had, which is when we come back to the gem drop of dealing with your parents and realizing that they're people. Once you start assessing them as a person, you start assessing their trauma. And when you start assessing their trauma, you add it up to the trauma that they caused you. And you are able to now draw lines like, you know, Carrie on Homeland with yarn and thumbtacks to like, oh, so that happened to her. So then that's why this happened to me because of her. OK, so that happened to her. So then this happened. Like I can do that with my mom all day. And it does help, I think, bring you the key element to trying to understand your parents, which is empathy and compassion. Because now you're looking at them as a person who's been through shit and you're able to say like, oh, I get it. Let me also add, though, that doesn't mean that you have to deal with it. Okay? Like you can get it and understand it and have compassion for it and empathy for it. That doesn't mean you have to accept it into your space. Because the other part of that is that once that's identified, if you're sharing with your parent, I see this about you, I understand this. There has to be a willingness for them to also say, okay, let me look further into it so I can do my own healing so that it can help in the healing of us so that we can stop the generational curses so that we can stop the continued perpetual trauma. So many of us are now in a generation where our goal is to cut the shit. We need to cut it. And it's fucked up because a lot of times it means that you have to cut the tie with the fucking parent. Because they're not willing to identify and take accountability for, oh, I was doing this thing that caused you trauma and then do the work of why was I doing that and do their own self-work. 
Because the only way you're going to stop triggers and trauma happening is doing self-work to identify where it happened and then like basically like soldering it. It's like when you get braids done and they would burn the end of the braid so it doesn't keep unraveling. That's what you got to do. You got to burn the end of that shit so that it doesn't keep unraveling you. And that's the work that so many parents aren't willing to do. And I'm hoping that the parents of this generation, my peers as parents, I feel like there's going to be a different set of parents coming behind them because they're parenting different, because they're willing to do the work. And I think there's a higher level of willingness and pride in learning how to take accountability for your trauma so that you're not passing it on to your kid. Now, if you're an immigrant kid, well, baby, I don't know what to tell you because this is <laughs> that's just part of our story. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Woo! <laughs> Why do moms raise their daughters and love their sons? That was a thigh slapper right there. Why do moms raise their daughters and love their sons? Do y'all understand what this question is? Let me tell you what this question is really trying to say. There's an affection and a reverence that I feel like a lot of daughters don't have with their moms that they witness with sons and moms. Like there's like a closeness that we witness with sons and their moms. There's a softness. Ah, that's the one. There's a softness that so many of us witness with sons and moms. There's a grace that so many of us witness with sons and moms that is not extended with daughters. And I think the reason is because, I mean, on a basic level, like mothers see themselves and their daughters. And so they want their daughter to not make the mistakes that they made. They want their daughter to be like the best reflection of them possible. And in so many cases, that ends up showing up as like being stricter and hard fast and um, rough because you're trying to keep them in this mold that you've designed for them in your mind based on your own shortcomings as a woman. And so, so many of us as daughters feel that. We feel this like constant expectation to show up a certain way, to be perfect, to not embarrass, to be aligned, to uh, what's the word I'm looking for? To basically like not disappoint, right? Like to not disappoint and to be tip top. And when we miss the mark, I feel like for so many of us, it feels so jarring because the parent makes it seem as if they have been personally <laughs> attacked by our error. And they do feel personally attacked by our error because when you're a mother in a daughter situation, so many mothers are looking at their daughters as them, as themselves. And it's almost as if they're looking at you 
and like you are them hurting them. I mean, it's got, ooh, it's a paradox. It's a paradoxical situation. It is. It so is. And we see this, particularly I feel like in Black households, where, you know, daughters are just, like, you just can't make mistakes. You know what I mean? Like, you just can't make mistakes. It's so fucking hard. And then you, like, really feel like your value is in how on point you are, you know? And that becomes a part of your makeup. That becomes a part of how you show up in the world. And for the most part, it's just not practical. And then you end up spending your time in your adulthood trying to undo this need to always show up a certain way in order to consider yourself valued. I mean, I will say, like, in my relationships, I felt like my value was in me being a resource, me being, like, the on-point one, me being, like, the together one, et cetera, because I feel like growing up, like, I was expected to, like, be on point, have it together, like, and I'm not saying that there wasn't warmth in my household. I actually did have a lot of warmth in my household, but I also had just a lot of brusqueness, you know, just I had a lot of tough and particularly all of my immigrant kids. Like I know that question, that question right there for immigrant kids is so real because it's also this expectation that I think a lot of mothers have that their daughters show up in the world in a way that is reflecting of a good woman, right? That, you know, you have to represent what a woman is in a certain way. The other part of it, which I think we've got to give credit to and it would be remiss not to, is that some of that comes from this also just feeling that a lot of mothers have in raising their daughters to survive in a world that doesn't love women. And there's almost this element of like, I got to be hard with you because I need to make you strong enough to deal with this fucking world that's going to be even harder with you. And for so many of us, like we see that that is true. And you see how those certain lessons that your mother gave you in raising you in that way did shape you to be able to manage the fucked upery of the situations of this existence. It's wild, right? Because I think there's nothing to say other than thank you <laughs> in, in that regard. But there's also something that we have to be aware of, which is that for a lot of our mothers, they didn't have somebody protecting them in a way that was with softness. So there's also the element of understanding that like sometimes people can only give you what they got and they may not even be aware that they need to consider other ways, other methods. They may not even be aware that they need to reach out and extend out to other possibilities of raising you. I will say that in my mother's case, I feel like she raised me differently than her mother. Like I didn't have a strict household. Like my mom did expect certain things from me and that was that. But then I was also allowed to be like a free person. I was never told like children are seen and not heard. My voice was valuable. You know, I was never expected to just go along with family because they're family. Nah, like if they was treating me whack, if they was treating us whack, then it was like, okay, then you don't got to do that. And that's, listen, at a certain point with my father, that was what it came down to. Like this nigga over here is whack. Why are we still doing this dance? Like, I get it. Like you wanted to make sure that I knew him, but okay, I knew him. We can cut this. It's We got it. I know him and I understand from my point of view, not from one that you've put in my mind, but from my point of view, I can say that I know that this man is trash. And so now we can move forward from this. So I think that's a lot of the understanding of like, why do mothers raise their daughters and love their sons? 
And I think there's also just the truth that, you know, it's a different path for women. It's a different path for us. And we do need to have a certain level of self-awareness and protection. And I wish that there was more of a balance between the softness and the hardness. And I'm hoping that in this generation, there's more of that being found. But I get it. I get it. You know, when you look at it through those perspectives, like you start to understand like, oh, like you didn't want this fucking world to chew me up. So you kind of trained me to get chewed up (laughs) and come back so that I would know that even when it fucking chews me up, I have the capacity to put myself back together and not let it break me the fuck apart. And I don't discount that that's necessary, but I do feel you in wanting there to be like another level of like softness that is in the mix of that to balance it out. Because we'd be watching these sons and we'd be like, y'all really just hugging up, huh? You just you just loving on this man. (laughs) But what ends up, you know, what ends up being the byproduct of that sometimes is that then that man expects that to be the case for his partner. You know, that man expects his partner to also love him in whatever form he comes in and not expect anything of him. I remember I dated a dude who said that his mother had never disciplined him at any point in his life. She had never said no. She had never corrected him. She had never said that he did something wrong. So picture me now coming along to be like, oh, I don't like that. Why are you looking at me like, girl, my mama didn't even tell me that. I'm supposed to listen to you. Who is you? So there's a flip side to all of this, right? And it all comes down, though, at the end of the day to, again, being able to examine and assess where our parents came from and how they became who they are in order to parent us as they did in order for us to become who we are. And that is different for everybody. It's a process and it's a work in progress. Next question. Wait, is this a Patreon only question that we got coming up? I think it is. We're going to keep these questions going at the Amandaverse. So if you want to get some insight into these next three questions that we're going to answer, you know what you got to do. You got to subscribe. It's only $5, but it's worth your time. See you there. Now, if you're not on the Amandaverse, Let's get into that one time. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba da ba ba ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. That, that one time. time. You know, in this edition of that one time, I'll just say that I think for me, people see my relationship with my mom and they're like, oh my God, your mom's amazing. Oh my God, you better be grateful every day for your mom. You better, And it's like, I am. <laughs> like, I am. But I think that what happens for so many of us is that we go through a transition in life where we have to understand like where our parents fit in our lives and they also have to understand that. And sometimes like, it's just not a seamless bridge. 
I wonder if it's different for folks who have siblings. I think if you're an only child and you come from a single parent household, there is a certain level of like immense closeness that happens there. And I know there's like a whole like psychology thing about it, like single parent syndrome or whatever, whatever, because there's such an umbilical cord between you all that is not imaginary. It's real because like you all required each other to get through, right? Like you required that single parent to show up in a multitude of ways for you to like make it. And then that single parent required you to be able to like keep them going in this like effort of parenting, which is so wildly arduous when you have help, let alone when you don't. Right. So it's like both of y'all are like leaning on each other. And then at some point, as what happened in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, the student becomes the teacher. And then the teacher feels purposeless because now the student no longer needs them in the same way. And they have to find another way to be of value. And I think for a lot of parents, that's when they start becoming toxic because they're trying to find a value place in your life and they're like shooting at the sky willy-nilly. They're not really thinking logically because they're thinking more from an emotion space and they don't have necessarily the tools per se to really do the self-exploration of like what's actually happening here. What am I actually doing? I know I'm telling myself that I'm doing this and I'm showing up this way, et cetera, et cetera, but what's like actually happening? I think a lot of us also then are trying to figure out how to tell their parents that. Because I feel like you can see what's happening, but like trying to get your parent to hear that or see that is a whole other dance because for a lot of us, like any challenging of a parent, they take as disrespect, right? Or they take as an attack or they may even say it's abuse, It's incredibly demoralizing and you want to be able to meet your parent where they are and them where you are because you feel like, well, you should know that you raised somebody who's not talking out their ass. You should know that you raised somebody who keeps it a buck. You should know that you raised somebody who's always seeking the best effort. So in knowing that you should be meeting me where I'm at in trying to create the best of outcomes for us. So when that isn't being met, it feels kind of just hopeless. And I can tell you that like I did not imagine that I would be 41 trying to like figure out my mother and I's interactions. And I am. And I know so many other people are. And I have always believed that my transparency is a part of my philanthropy because I know what ends up happening is you feel bad about it. You feel like shit and you feel like you're an ungrateful child. Then you start questioning, like, am I falling out of love with my parent, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, well, no, the love is you trying. That's the love. And then there's this, the reality that I talk to so many of my friends and all of them are like, girl, Yeah to reassess my <laughs> I had to do a whole re- restructuring of my relationship with my parent you just now doing that that's a part of the journey and once I did you know we went I went through it and then we got to the other side and it is what it is I think it's just shocking when you're in it because you may not have seen it coming but I think for the most part if the effort in your heart is coming from a place of doing the restructuring for the sake of saving and positivity, et cetera, then that's the best thing you can do in any part of your life choices. You know, we've talked about side effects of risk-taking and it's like, as long as you are moving in positive purpose, that's the only way you can really 
go about things and you can't control anything else. And sometimes you got to take a fucking break. Sometimes you got to cleanse the palate and take a break. And it's not even on some punishment shit, but it's more so on some like, I need to step back so I can see clearly. Right? It's like when you got to zoom out on the GPS to get proximity. Like, I need to step back so I can really see where we were and where we're going and how we're going to get there. The last dose. The job of a parent is, to my understanding, one of the hardest in this life. Because you have to employ every part of your human existence for another human, right? Your emotion, your mental, your physical being are all intertwined with getting this person to become an adult. And I always say that, you know, you're not having a baby. You are going to have the baby, but you're raising an adult. The actual goal is not to raise a kid. The goal is to raise an adult who has what the best of life can offer within them to carry forth this society. And there's no way to really do that without hiccups along the way. And so that becomes part of our grace for understanding our parents. You also have to have grace for yourself and knowing that with the way that time moves and generations change and shift, we have new awareness, new understanding, new developments. And just as we went from VHS to streaming within one lifetime, our parents are also adjusting to like going from therapy is for crazy people to can we go to counseling? (laughs) That's what all the cool kids are doing. But we all adjust. We try. We got to adjust. And the adjusting of you and your parents' relationship is one of the more difficult for all of us to do. I think in giving our parents grace, it is a very ungraceful dance. And it's like watching a white person try and do the electric slide for the first time. It's, it's, it's rough. But we do it because ideally we want a relationship with our parents. And if at some point we realize that that relationship is actually one that we wouldn't have had if they weren't our parent. You got to do one of two things. You either have to dissolve that relationship altogether or you have to reassess that relationship and how it can fit in your life. And a lot of times that's going to happen without them even understanding that they are the ones who made it happen that way. Ba-dum, ba-dum. 